What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back with another QB room episode. This is going to be the first of our top three QB rooms. I think at this point, if you guys have been following along with the series, you kind of know who the quarterbacks who are coming up. It's no mystery at this point. But before I get into that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our socials. Uh, just please follow us on Twitter. Uh, PD's uh, at PD34 underscore. I'm at Real Rahul Potty too. Check us out if you haven't already. And if you guys are enjoying the podcast, I've been enjoying this QB Room series in general. Please show us some love. Give us a like, follow, sub, do whatever uh, you can do to support on the platform you're watching on. And with that being said, let's jump right into the QB Room we're going to talk about today, which is the Bengals QB Room. Yeah. Um, Bengals QB room headlined by none other than Joe Burrow, of course. Um, Burrow touted as a generational prospect coming out, and for good reason, in my opinion. Um, incredible se- final season at LSU um, in 2019. Shattered basically every passing record that you can think of um, and, and, and made a massive jump to the top of the draft from where he was projected in the mid-rounds. Um, getting into his game a little bit, um, the number thing, the number one thing that you have to talk about with Joe Burrow is his ability to anticipate openings uh, in the defense and his ability to put the ball where he wants to. Um, he, I think, has the number one anticipation in the league. Um, his ability to see things before they happen is unparalleled. Uh, pretty much all time great stuff. Like he, he's frequently able to throw guys five six yards before they even reach their breaks. Um, it just leads to defenders not even being able to make a play on the ball. And you can see that reflected in his turnover-worthy play rate being so low. Um, and he has exceptional feel of when to throw these passes. And the timing combined with the anticipation um, is exceptional. He had a little bit of a drop last year in terms of his accuracy um, from 2021. Um, you can see that reflected in completion percentage, completion percentage, adjusted completion percentage as well. Um, but really just... The lack of Jamar Chase, as we'll talk about for this middle stretch of games, really hurt his ability um, to consistently push the ball over the middle of the field where Chase was um, generating tons and tons of yardage last year. Um, But still, he found a way to push through it because of the versatility of his game. Um, And I'll start to mention other parts of his game, like his his mobility. Um, That is a solid plus. He's able to maneuver in the pocket really well, um, move around to avoid defenders around him. Um, and then combine that with decent arm strength. Um, I would say from his rookie season to now, it's improved from poor to pretty solid. Um, and then he has exceptional touch, all-time stuff. Um, his ability to control the ball and drop it in from the rafters is um, maybe parallel to none in the league. Um, and yeah, just all of those are his positives. Um, the one negative that's continued to plague him um, throughout his career and, and will, I think, for... Uh, the foreseeable future, unless something crazy happens, is the fact that he takes a ton of sacks. Um, he's very, very aggressive in terms of pushing the ball down the field, um, especially when his playmakers are healthy and there's no schematic adjustment to continually get the ball out of his hands. Um, so when he's allowed to really play as a dropback passer, he's going to tend to take sacks in exchange for those explosive plays down the field. And it's like a little bit of a different um, thing that we, we, we see from normal risk takers where they take a lot of interceptions rather than sacks. But um, I think 
that style of play is a way to um, generate explosives while giving up negatives and um, it leads to overall good results in the end. Um, and yeah, down the stretch last year, as we'll talk about, um, Burrow looked like clear MVP level player and um, it projects forward to this year to some really, really good stuff. I love that you started off with this college season because I honestly feel it kind of goes under the radar how his come up happened because he was one of like the most unexpected Heisman candidates of all time. And he came in and had that miraculous season, obviously in LSU, I'd argue one of, again, one of the better seasons of all time. And just coming from just the past few years, he was losing out at OSU, uh, had a pretty rough year at LSU the year prior, I believe. So Definitely an incredible journey from him. And as far as game currently goes in the NFL, I agree with a lot of what you said. He by far has one of the best accuracies in the league. His anticipation is obviously out of this world. Uh, Also one of the best we've seen in the league. Uh, And when we talk about his last season, uh, he definitely came into the season a little bit, I guess, rusty, you could say, not at his best. We obviously saw that last Super Bowl season year where he kind of broke out the year prior. And he did have a bit of a rough playoffs, but I think people in general kind of expected him to come in just kind of hitting the ground running. And him and the Bengals both kind of didn't. I think a big reason why is obviously his appendicitis injury uh, last offseason. He obviously got uh, injured again this offseason, so that's definitely something we'll talk about later because it could lead to some of the same patterns we saw last year where the first couple of weeks, he honestly wasn't all that there. But once he kind of hit the ground, uh, which was around the week six time that PD was mentioning, I would agree completely that he was playing absolutely at an NFL level, had the season started at that, oh, sorry, MVP level, uh, had the season started at that point, he may even have one MVP. Uh, that's how amazing of a stretch he had. And PD also mentioned that Jamar Chase was out. And I do think a lot of the time he was out was during that time he was playing at such an incredible level. So one thing I really lo- liked about Joe Burrow last year, and I feel like we talked about this a bunch on the pod, is he lost a pretty key component to his game that he had not only in that amazing season in LSU, but obviously his amazing season the year prior to Jamar Chase has kind of been a constant with him and despite that he was able to adapt and really tweak his game to where he didn't necessarily take as many shots go downfield because he didn't have that threat of Jamar Chase but he was still showing incredible accuracy incredible poise and being able to kind of get chunk yardage every down uh, every time he was passing the ball and kind of play offense a completely different way and the thing I like with Joe Burrow kind of tying into that is I just feel like he's got amazing feel for being a quarterback there's just certain guys where you see them make those touch passes that he's incredibly good at make really tight window throws and kind of just the swagger and moxie he plays with in general I feel like that's something you simply can't teach and that's something that comes natural with Burrow Uh, that's something that makes so many people like him he's one of the most likable quarterbacks in the league as well It's just one of those natural things that I feel like Burrow has, and it's going to take him a long way because it just seems easy to him the way the game kind of unfolds for him. He's able to just drop back and pick up our defenses with ease, and that just goes to show how amazing his accuracy, ball placement, as well as anticipation, all those things we talked about. 
And I agree with Petey. He does have that little bit of a unique way of playing where rather than throwing picks with his aggressiveness, he kind of holds the ball longer, tries to take the hit while making the throw. And that leads to sacks. We even saw that lead to injury in his rookie year, which kept him out. Uh, It is a little bit risky in that sense in terms of potential injury. And we see other quarterbacks kind of in this tier do that as well, where like they will risk their body and put it in harm's way to get that big play. But honestly, I do like that kind of style more than the gunslinger. I'm going to maybe turn the ball over because Joe Burrow, obviously being one of the best in the league at not turning the ball over. I feel like that's a huge part of his game as well. He's able to generate so many big explosive plays without really running the risk of throwing it over. And I don't think there's anybody in the league that can do that at that alarming of a rate. There are some people who may create more explosive plays that we'll talk about, but if you compare that with the lack of turning the ball over, there's really no no one else that can compare. Uh, so, yeah, they're definitely looking for a very great season coming up here for Burrow. Uh, but with that being said, let's jump right into his previous year. All right, let's talk about the 2022 season. So um, we talked about the slow start a little bit. And this was definitely a slow start. So week one against Pittsburgh, um, I remember us watching this game together. Man, this was this was yep. horrendous. Um, four interceptions, um, not all of them his fault, but he more than made up for it with a little bit of lucky plays here and there himself. Has an ugly fumble late in the game. Um, a ton, a ton of those interceptions um, were interceptable passes, and uh, like there's one with TJ Watt where he just jumps up and, and intercepts it where I can't just be like, Oh, Burrow, you have to do something better there. But yeah, a ton of that, um, a number of sacks where he's just holding onto the ball forever. And, um, yeah, this was just a really rough game. He wasn't really generating explosive plays towards the end of the fourth quarter. He led a nice drive, but, uh, I mean, it's just some, some decent intermediate plays, not much there to be had. This was, this was definitely, a solidly below average game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this was the only Joe Burrow game you watched ever, uh, you would not believe any of the stuff we said leading up into his game because this was the least, I guess, Joe Burrow-like game uh, we've seen in a while. And I think that completely ties into what we were talking about. Uh, he came in, obviously, with the appendicitis injury, missed most of camp, all of preseason, uh, this was kind of him getting back into things, and it didn't start off pretty, especially in that first half. That Bengals offense really looked a, like a shell of what it was in the previous year, which was one of the best offenses in the league. And granted, this Steelers defense was pretty good all year, especially at this point in the year when they still had TJ Watt. So this was good competition, but it was completely unexpected seeing the Bengals play the way they did. And it started with Joe Burrow kind of not being all the way back. I think his accuracy definitely did not look nearly as good as what we expect out of it. And that's why we saw so many interceptable plays, four picks in this one, which I'd agree. I think one, maybe two of them weren't his fault. But in general, I think he did have four or five turnover worthy throws in general. So definitely a lot of mistakes there. He was taking, we did say he takes a lot of sacks, but seven in a single game is pretty crazy. And it did have to do with the fact where I feel like Joe Burrow didn't have his normal accuracy. And because of that, he was trying to hold the ball 
maybe see things develop, try to do too much almost, and it did end up him with him in the dirt a lot. I feel like he got beat up in this game. Uh, he did make up for it in the second half a lot uh, with a couple of drives where we thought they might be able to come back and win it. Uh, he did make some uh, amazing throws to Jamar Chase in that process. But I just think, in general, the mistakes outweighed too much of the good, and the good came a little bit too late. He did a bad job of throwing it to pretty much everybody else other than Chase. So overall, I'd say this was a bad game, uh, but definitely not a sign of things to come later in the year. All right, moving on to the next one against Dallas. So this one was pretty up and down. So he takes a ton of sacks, six of them in this one, um, and does put the ball in harm's way for a turnover-worthy play with the fumble. Uh, But I thought he did a good job of generating positive yardage with intermediate passes and short passes. Um, and his accuracy looked improved from the previous game. So that was a big add to his game. And the number of sacks that he took, not really all of them his fault, just a few. Um, and Bengals offensive line, obviously having a ton of new additions last year, um, they took some time to gel. So you can see it show up here where I think a few of them were on Joe Burrow, a few of them on the offensive line. Um, and he does a good job with his accuracy making up for it a little bit. So I would say this this one was a little bit closer to average. I think I was a little bit harsher on him with this game because I just feel like it was still a very uncharacteristic game out of Burrow. I think with all the traits and the way we kind of described him, the best way you would really look at Joe Burrow is like consistency. I feel like he's someone super consistent week in, week out. You really don't see this sort of thing uh, within a game. And I think the way he was just up and down in this one was just very reminiscent of the last game and in general just put me off a bit because once again he came out in this first half and really wasn't looking like the Joe Burrow we expected and uh, this was kind of the half he took a lot of those sacks and I will agree going up against a very good D-line in this Cowboys defensive line uh, as well as this uh, Bur- uh, Bengals offensive line kind of implementing a lot of new pieces. It took them a while to kind of get their blocking situation and shifts right for Burrow. So I will agree that a lot of that was on them as well, but he just once again didn't seem like he was all the way back in that first half. A lot of those incompletions he threw did come in the first half, and I think that dropped down his accuracy from what it could be to in the second half it was pretty damn good. And once again, a lot of those sacks did come from him holding the ball I also feel like he just didn't do a good enough job of attacking. I Once again, I do know this defense is good, but I feel like one of Burrow's best traits is his ability to be aggressive, and he just wasn't doing that in this game whatsoever. I feel like he was just a bit too conservative for my liking. So overall, I would still say this as a below-average game, uh, but still, it, it, it's not something that sticks. All right, moving on to the next one against the Jets. So um, the box score in this one was very clean, um, and I thought Burrow did play a solid game, um, but I think it's lying a little bit because of a number of dropped interceptions. Um, The number of sacks definitely comes down, and that's the biggest thing um, that's a change from the previous two games. Um, So that's a big positive, and he's generating plays, explosives down the field. Um, There's one that I want to highlight. um, Fantastic throw in the corner of the end zone. Um, where T. Higgins gets both toes down but doesn't get um, his his heels down, so they don't count it as a touchdown. Um, but that was a great throw. Um, a number of explosive plays other than that as well. Um, so despite the fact that he put the ball in harm's way and wasn't punished for it uh, a few times here, 
um, I, I still thought he played pretty well. Yeah, I'll agree with you here. I feel like this was a great game for Joe Burrow to kind of get his feet back underneath him because this Jets team did end up being good. But at this point, when they were playing with Joe Flacco, they really were not that good. And this kind of allowed not only Burrow, but the whole team to kind of get back to what we saw last year, which is a very successful team. And to me, I think Clean describes it well. I think this was, aside from those couple of mistakes, a more clean game of Joe Burrow. We see a lot cleaner games later on, but as far as this season goes, this was definitely a lot cleaner than what we what we had seen previously. And I think that was just kind of him getting back to playing his game. Like I was saying the last two weeks, he was not really being as aggressive. Uh, this game, we saw him go deep to Tyler Boyd. We saw him go deep to T. Higgins. PD mentioned that uh, touchdown that almost happened that just missed. Uh, he was doing a much better job of actually being aggressive here. And despite Jamar Chase not really having a good good game, he was still producing quite good offense. He was a lot more accurate in this one, uh, obviously took a lot less sacks, and I think that was just a product of him getting rid of the ball faster. He was trying to do a bit too much in those previous games, like we mentioned. Uh, it would have been a better game if it wasn't for those turnover-worthy plays. That Those mistakes did bring it down a bit. But I'd still say above-average performance and definitely a step in the right direction. All right, moving on to the next one against Miami. So um, this one was pretty solid. Um, a much cleaner game in terms of not taking sacks, um, avoiding pressure pretty well. Didn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, was able to generate a couple of explosive plays down the field. But the rhythm of the offense wasn't the greatest. And I think... His accuracy definitely has higher points, um, even in the coming weeks, as we'll see. So um, this one was solid to me, but um, it does continue to get better after this. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you there. And to me, the biggest point of emphasis is the sacks. Because one thing I guess I kind of mentioned to talk, forgot to mention to talk about with Joe Burrow's game is kind of his pocket awareness. And I didn't really get to talk about it in the other games because he didn't really show it. But one thing I really like about Burrow's game is his ability to just stay poised and unbothered in the pocket. He does take a lot of sacks, but just the way he shuffles around and is able to stay on point while there's chaos going all around him, I think he's also up there with only a couple of quarterbacks in the league who's able to do that. And I feel that was really shown in this game because the Dolphins' defense did attack this Bengals' offense, especially when... Tua went out because they needed to make up for the lack of offense at that point. And Burrow just seemed a little unfazed. He was just getting rid of the ball, getting the ball to his spots every time. And it wasn't just going short. He was also going deep. We saw deep balls to Higgins, Chase, Boyd. He was really just playing his game, whether it was going underneath, going deep. He spreads the ball all over every depth of the field. And when you see him do that, kind of like in this game, you see Joe Burrow kind of get back into his real element. Uh, he was once again very accurate. Uh, did a good job of keeping the ball out of harm's way. I'd say this is a pretty good game in a game where nothing was really going right with the run game. He really had all of the offense put on his back, and he did a good job of dicing this Dolphins defense up. So there were there are definitely better games to get, come, but this was definitely a good game in my eyes. All right, moving on to the next one against the Ravens. So this one was tough sledding. Um, Ravens really strong defense. Um, even before the addition of Roquan Smith and the offensive line 
wasn't really the way that it should have been um, later on in the season. Um, and that led to Burrow getting rid of the ball really fast in this game for a number of plays. Does have a turnover-worthy play with the interception in this one. And just really like them keeping the ball close to the line of scrimmage plus that turnover-worthy play uh, limits his ceiling a lot for this game. So I would say this game was slightly below average because he wasn't able to generate a ton of positives and um, does have the one big negative here. Definitely a step in the wrong direction here because we kind of see him revert back to the Joe Burrow we didn't like. And immediately it starts with that aggressiveness factor. I know this Ravens defense is good. Their DBs were obviously one of the better ones in the league last year. Uh, but there's really no reason why Joe Burrow's like just average depth of target in this game was as low as it was. He really wasn't looking to go any further than a 20-ish yards downfield. And I know he's elite accuracy. He can kind of get away with that. But we just don't see the explosive, high-powered offense we expect out of Joe Burrow and the Bengals when he plays this way. Uh, he was still pretty accurate in this one. Uh, continue to stay, do a decent job of staying away from pressure and sacks. Uh, he does take two, but I think in general he just wasn't pressured too much, kind of going back to the unbothered Joe Burrow in the pocket we kind of expect. But that interception to me definitely puts a sour taste in my mouth. I feel like that was pretty key in them losing this game and another game of just him being up and down because we see him come in the first half or first quarter rather not really in sync with his team and then you have a good second quarter and you kind of squander it in the third most of the fourth they do come back with one drive in that fourth but in general I feel like it was just too much up and down for me uh, also a below average performance for me all right, moving on to the next one against New Orleans. So Bengals offense showing signs of life in this one. This was fantastic to watch. Um, Burrow did take three sacks in this one, but I think he more than made up for it with the explosive plays that he was making down the field. Um, suffered a number of drops in this one, so 75% completion wasn't um, isn't a good number to, to talk about this game in terms of accuracy. His accuracy was pristine in this one. Barely missing a pass, um, generating explosives down the field to Jamar Chase and such. Um, it was it was great to watch. Um, the Bengals offense just rewards success down the stretch there, and um, yeah, that watching them win this game was was really fantastic. And Burrow um, played really really well in this one. This was the start of that stretch we were talking about with Burrow when he was unbelievable, playing at an MVP level, and it started with this game. And I feel like. This game really set the tone for the rest of the streak because uh, this game is exactly how we played the rest of the year and kind of how we'll expect to see Burrow next year, the rest of his career, because I think the way he played in this game is when he's at his best, is when he's attacking downfield, is what PD was mentioning as well. He did a fantastic job of that, and it wasn't even him necessarily spreading the ball out. One thing I really like about Burrow is... He's really good at building chemistry with his receivers, and it doesn't even matter if defenses know Jamar Chase is getting it or, like, T. Higgins is getting Tyler Boyd is getting it. He's going to be able to use his anticipation and elite ball placement to still get it to them. And granted, these guys are amazing receivers. They're still getting open. But without a guy like Burrow just dotting the ball to them, I don't think they're going to have this level of success. And we saw it all day in this one. He was incredibly accurate hit almost all of his throws, and if it wasn't for those drops, you would see it reflected in his 
a completion percentage as well. And you see him with one, I think this is first 300 yard game. It is because he was attacking in this one. And I 100% agree with you. The three sacks he takes in this one were his fault. But I think the amount of explosive plays, amount of plays downfield he made, absolutely make up for it. And we see him come in clutch with a couple of drives in this fourth quarter to win this, win them this game. I was honestly a little surprised that it did take that much for them to end up winning it. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. And that 60-yard pass we saw to Jamar Chase to win them this game was just absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the better walk-off touchdowns we saw all year long. Or I guess not walk-off because there were still a couple minutes left in that game. But in general, go ahead towards the end was just an incredible performance from him. Uh, really nothing bad I can say about it. All right, moving on to the next one. So Jamar Chase does get injured in this one, and that's the start of the stretch that we'll continue to emphasize um, until we get to the Kansas City game. Um, but Burrow was lights out in this one. Actually, lights out isn't even a strong enough word to describe this. This was, this was insanity. Um, the, the Falcons were playing with backup corners, and you could see it. Burrow was just dominant from start to finish. Um, the three sacks were really the only thing that keeps me back from saying this is the best game of the year, but like... I think you could still make that argument. He was incredible from a ball ball placement standpoint, attacking down the field, barely missed any throws. Just an incredible performance from start to finish. Um, And it's going to be tough to find many games better than this one. Honestly, I might make that argument with this being up there with, or maybe even the best game of the year. Because you know, I'm not the type of person to really fault sacks and mistakes of that sort as much. And to me, when I saw what he did in this game, uh, it was absolutely incredible. He did everything to tear the Falcons' defense up. And I think for me, the only thing holding this game back from being the best of the year or something in that range is kind of the level of talent against him. Obviously, this Falcons' defense is already bad. I believe this is one of the games where they were missing, uh, or they might have lost A.J. Terrell during the game, or I think one of their corners was just out in general. So it was just a terrible game for them, and they came up against the Bengals at the wrong time because we saw earlier in the year where they weren't really getting things going. Things weren't clicking. Yeah, this was not that game. Whether it was Tyler Boyd having a monster game, Jamar Chase tearing them apart with explosive plays, even T. Higgins, he didn't have as many big plays deep, but he was just destroying this team over the middle, using his size as a massive advantage. And those three guys just killed the Falcons' defense. And like I was saying, Joe Burrow, with Joe Burrow, he has an uncanny ability of just using the same couple of guys to just shred your defense apart. And you see him throw for nearly 500 yards here. It shows how aggressive he was in this one. It seemed like every play was in that first half. It was deep shot after deep shot. This is just one of those games, and we talked a lot about it with the Eagles season, where the offense was just absolutely overmatched. And a lot of those games we saw, like, the Eagles kind of lay off at some point or other quarterbacks just lay off in general, not continue just being at that level the whole game. Well, Burrow was not that. He stepped on this Atlanta defense's neck the entire game throughout. He was almost flawless accuracy-wise. No mistakes in terms of turning the ball over. To me, those sacks don't do near enough to bring it down. Just incredible game for him. 
All right, moving on to the next one. Um, this one, a little bit of a rough one, but I didn't think it was all on Burrow. They could definitely have used Jamar Chase in this one. Um, Burrow really, really needed a receiving outlet of that sort, but he does put the ball in harm's way um, with a bad fumble in this one, plus the interception. Um, not really generating too many explosive plays down the field until like the very end where he's able to start getting positives um, as the Browns' defense is kind of playing. Uh, way off. Um, the sacks were the biggest problem. Bengals offensive line couldn't block. Um, Burrow wasn't doing the greatest job getting the ball out of his hands fast. So um, yeah, there was there was really no chance for him to be good in this one. Um, and he definitely wasn't good. This game definitely feels out of place in this kind of stretch of performances, especially after the last two we talked about, because I'd honestly argued this was one of his worst of the year. I felt like Really, he wasn't getting anything going in this one. And I absolutely think, and I'm glad you brought it up, uh, that this was a Jamar Chase issue. I really don't think this game would have gone anywhere near how it did. without. And I think it was kind of a wake-up call for the Bengals because I think the last two weeks they played against not-so-good teams and, more importantly, NFC teams that weren't really familiar with them. But then when you come to the Brown Stadium, a divisional matchup, and I believe this is primetime as well, uh, the Browns are going to come prepared. They know what to expect out of a team like the Bengals. They play them twice a year. And they just put in a fantastic game plan, and Joe Burrow did not adapt quick enough. I think the Browns kind of just did a great job, and they did this kind of the whole game. They just had everyone other than their defensive line sit back. They didn't blitz whatsoever, didn't bring any pressure, and the Browns have the level of defensive line talent to where they can get to the quarterback without having to blitz. And when sitting back and uh, they just didn't have to worry about Jamar Chase because you don't have that kind of guy with the speed and explosiveness to beat you over the top. So it just seemed like nobody was open all day. You see Burrow throw it to a lot of different guys, and honestly, that's more of a thing to con- for, of concern for me because we see when he's at his best, he's only going to a couple of guys. It just felt like he was just checking it down to whoever he could. Uh, there was so less going on. He was just trying to get rid of the ball to whoever was open. And it seemed like he was getting beat up too with all the sacks he was taking. Also coming in first drive, that interception just seemed like a momentum killer. They had a little bit of a drive going that killed that. And it seemed like the rest of those three quarters until the Browns kind of backed off because the game was over. They just had nothing going. This is a very rare bad game for Burrow in this stretch, but nonetheless, terrible game for sure. All right, moving on to the next one. So this starts a stretch run of monster performances. Uh, this one against Carolina, he wasn't really asked to do as much as he normally is um, with Joe Mixon absolutely, uh, or the run game in general, just doing a great job. But um, yeah, I mean, he was pretty much flawless in this one, I can say. Um Barely missed a pass, only ended up taking one sack, but I didn't really think that one was on him. Wasn't really under pressure a ton, uh, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, still managed to make a couple of explosive plays here. Um, this is one of the more efficient games of the season, and uh, yeah, for that reason, I have to say this was an elite performance. Honestly, I feel like you're giving him a bit too much credit here because I feel like we've come across a lot of games like this from a lot of different quarterbacks. And with most people, we kind of feel like we kind of agree that we take games like this with a grain of salt. 
And I feel like that's kind of that situation here for me with Burrow. Uh, for those of you that play fantasy, this was that one monster game Joe Mixon had last year, which absolutely carried his totals throughout the year. And I feel like that was kind of the biggest factor of this one. This game was wrapped up by the first half because the Panthers are doing literally nothing on offense the entirety of the first half. And the Bengals dropped 35 points because Joe Mixon was tearing it up, getting monster run after monster run. And like PD said, it wasn't just Joe Mixon. Kind of that entire run game was doing well. Uh, And Joe Burrow wasn't asked to do a whole lot. It was a rare game where the Bengals didn't really need him. Uh, Compared to his other games, his volume was really low. And granted, in that volume, he was extremely accurate, very clean, got the ball to his receivers on target, a lot of opportunity for Yak, including that one Joe Mixon touchdown he had receiving was uh, a lot a lot to do with Joe Mixon's Yak, but Burrow did put it in the right place. I just thought it was one of those games where he wasn't asked to do too much, so I can't say he did anything to blow me away and call this an elite performance, but he certainly didn't make any mistakes, no turnover-worthy plays, just one sack and not a whole lot of dropbacks. To me, this was just an average game. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say it was anything spectacular because it was more just a Joe Mixon masterclass. All right, moving on to the next one. So against Pittsburgh after the bye, um, I I would again say this one was elite. And I think the box score is lying a little bit with the two interceptions because I didn't, th- I didn't think either of them were turnover-worthy plays. Um, Burrow was really, really good in this one, being aggressive, pushing it down the field. Ended up taking two sacks because the Pittsburgh defense is really strong. But, man... His ability to generate positive plays in this one was on full display, um, attacking down the field in the intermediate areas, in the short areas, uh, just making it work with whoever was on the field. And, um, yeah, I was incredibly impressed with this one. have to say this was a great performance. Yeah, with this one, I'll actually agree with you because I also remember watching this game specifically, and both of those picks really weren't his fault. I remember one came off a tip, uh, or maybe even both. It just wasn't really anything to do with him and the rest of his game was pretty much lights out from there and one thing that really made this game like special to me was how he was able to tear up this defense deep without Jamar Chase because we know how amazing Jamar Chase is at just be taking the top off defenses or even getting a ball underneath and just torching the defense running by everybody we know that's something Jamar Chase can do, and it's just the it, an easy connection every time for Burrow and Chase. But here he was able to do the same thing and just absolutely tear apart this defense, both going deep, intermediate, kind of everywhere on the football field. And he didn't have Jamar Chase this entire time. And it was just beautiful seeing him adapt to T. Higgins, kind of play more to his strengths, because... T. Higgins isn't going to get you as much separation, but obviously he's a massive body. You can throw him more 50-50 balls, higher catch radius, and normally that's not something Joe Burrow is going to do, but in this one we see him do that because that's who he's got. And then outside of that with the deep threat of T. Higgins, he was still doing a great job of kind of getting it to whoever, like PD said, underneath, whether it was Trenton Irwin, Tyler Boyd, even guys like P. Ryan and Mixon got into the mix, which uh, quick dump-offs, but also throws downfield off wheel routes, stuff like that. He just did a great job of exposing every mismatch. If he saw someone uh, with a favorable matchup, he went right there. 
and I think his accuracy was a little bit worse than normal on this one, uh, but still, in general, very consistent throughout the game, did a great job of attacking, uh, no real mistakes to me. I also agree that those couple of sacks weren't really his fault. Uh, I don't think I'd give it to elite tier of game, but I'd say very, very above average and just very good performance in general. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, and I think this one is an interesting case study um, for Burrow against Tennessee. How good can you be without being a high completion percentage guy um, and just dominating with your accuracy? Um, and I think the answer is pretty close to elite. He was amazing in this one because of his ability to generate explosives down the field. Um, I thought it was Really, imp- really, really impressive his ability to put the ball where he needed to on those specific plays, and he was making plays in the intermediate area as well. His anticipation with some decent flashes of arm strength um, that was pretty impressive. And he only ended up taking one sack. So, even despite the fact that he wasn't consistently completing every pass that he threw, um, like you see him do on on some of his high end games, um, I thought this game was really, really impressive um, in in a style that he doesn't really normally play to. Games like this is truly what I was looking at when I was talking about how much Joe Burrow developed while Jamar Chase was gone. Because like PD was saying, this is nowhere near his normal style of play. You normally won't see him do this because, I mean, really, why would you when you have Jamar Chase and you can play the way Joe Burrow does and be so explosive while accurate at the same time because Jamar Chase is always open. But when you don't have him, you are going to need that trade-off of aggressiveness with also a lot of missed plays, whether it's drops, incompletions because Joe Burrow missed the throw. In general, when you're more aggressive like that with not as good receivers, you're naturally going to have a worse completion percentage. And Joe Burrow was able to adapt and play this way, not only because of the personnel, but also because the Titans' defense was pretty stingy, to be honest. They had good coverage throughout, and he wasn't able to get off as many passes as he would have wanted to because of uh, not too much pressure in this one, but just the Titans' secondary just being clamped up on his guys. And despite that, like PD said, he was able to adapt, play a completely new way of football to Joe Burrow's typical way, and he was still lights out, despite the accuracy not being as good. There were many, many plays in the intermediate 20 to 30-yard range where he was just slicing and dicing this Tennessee defense. Uh, His connection with Higgins really, really exploded in this time. Obviously, Higgins jumping to the wide receiver one here, and like I was saying with the previous game, he just did a fantastic job of adapting to Higgins' skill set, getting it to him high and in positions where really only Higgins can get it because there's a lot of balls only Higgins can get because of his kind of frame. Uh, so, yeah, uh, another elite game from Joe Burrow in a very non-traditional sense. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, this one's a little bit more of the traditional Burrow game where he's just slicing and dicing. Um 80.6% completion percentage, um, and I thought it could have been higher because of a, a couple of drops and, and batted balls here. Um, he was just absolute nails in this one, throwing dot after dot. Uh, critical situations as well. Just an incredible performance all around. Um, only ended up taking one sack as well, so just an extremely clean game. Barely any negative plays at all. Um, yeah, I was I was very, very much impressed with his performance in this one. 
I remember this was the peak of the era where people were really talking about how much Burrow owned the Chiefs, because I believe this was third game in a row, including the last one being that obviously major AFC championship game that uh, ended in a very big choke from Mahomes in overtime and led to Burrow going to the Super Bowl. After this game, we really saw that narrative of Burrow owning the Chiefs and whatnot, uh, you know, just go crazy. And honestly, after this performance, very much deserved. Because like PD mentioned, Jamar Chase comes back in this one, obviously massive game. And Joe Burrow goes back to what he does best, which is just absolutely slicing and dicing defenses, which is elite accuracy. Uh, This was probably his most accurate game of the season, at least in my opinion. He just seemed kind of unconscious in terms of getting the ball in the perfect place all day. And like I was saying with the other games, he was doing that while being very aggressive. And this one, the aggressiveness was mainly targeted at Jamar Chase, because as we know, Burrow and Chase have this amazing connection. He's able to go deep with him while maintaining this accuracy. And he did a great job of hitting Chase. Uh, And at the same time, he was still doing a good job of playing the intermediate range with everyone else, kind of his traditional form of offense. Didn't really have any turnover-worthy plays all day. Even though the Chiefs were honestly attacking him pretty aggressively, he still seemed nonchalant and very much poised in the pocket. Didn't really take any pressure and only one sack. Honestly, pretty flawless day overall. And like Petey mentioned at the end there, that fourth quarter, he came in very, very clutch uh, with honestly a pretty big uh, well a couple of pretty big drives to come back and win this one because in that fourth quarter it was really looking that like the Chiefs were gonna pull it off but Joe Burrow kind of came in and was incredible for a couple of drives led them to that victory and even though the run game was really good this was in a game where he didn't have Joe Mixon either uh P Ryan obviously came in and put in a shift either way so it didn't matter too much. But in general, I think the Bengals came in really relying on Joe Burrow because of all that, uh, and he delivered. So, incredible game. All right, moving on to the next one. This one against Cleveland. Um, yeah, Burrow wasn't really asked to do as much in this one, I don't think. Um, still played pretty decently. And like I mentioned um, for the performance a couple weeks ago, um he could still win when his accuracy isn't absolutely dotting up the defense. Um, and you see more of that in this game. And you can kind of see with those two performances, like why I said at the beginning that his accuracy wasn't as strong this year as it was last year. Um, but anyway, Burrow was pretty solid in this one, has a couple of really nice explosive plays, um, a really impressive hole shot for a touchdown. Um, one of the more impressive throws that I saw from him all year. Um, didn't put the ball in harm's way for no turnover-worthy plays. Um, and yeah, just a very, very clean game overall. The interception that he threw, I didn't think was his fault. Only took one sack, so uh, despite being under a solid amount of pressure. So, um, yeah, I was I was impressed with this one from him. I, I feel a little bit differently about this game, and I know you had mentioned that, like, Burrow can win and still be effective uh, while being inaccurate, and we saw that with the other game and with Chase out. I did praise that a lot. Uh, but to me, this game was a little bit different because I didn't think Burrow was you know, changing the way he was playing and adapting to the situation. Obviously, Chase and everyone being back here, he didn't really have to adapt anything. I just thought he was inaccurate on this one because he just 
wasn't as at his best in this game. Uh, he just seemed a little bit off in terms of accuracy to me, at least. It wasn't really because he was being aggressive and attacking downfield all day because he really didn't need to against this Browns team. He wasn't taking shots all day. I just feel like he was just missing a lot more, and that's why we saw kind of a little bit of a weaker first quarter and even at the end they did kind of lay off the gas pedal because the game was over but in general that's when I felt like we kind of saw Joe Burrow make more of those mistakes uh in terms of accuracy and I still think he did a good job with that connection with Chase still being very aggressive with him but I think with everybody else he kind of uh let kind of dropped the ball in terms of get converting targets into actually receptions here i feel like he just wasn't as accurate as we needed him to be i'd also argue that that interception he threw was a little bit more his fault than uh you would think so in general i think all those mistakes kind of averaged this out to be a more regular average game for me not of the elite caliber kind of like we've seen the last couple of weeks uh but still not a poor performance by any means all right, moving on to the next one against Tampa Bay. This one was wildly up and down to me, and I think it was because of the turnover-worthy plays that weren't in the regular passing stat sheet. Um, does have the interception, plus another interceptable pass, plus a fumble that was kind of bad. Um, ended up taking two sacks in this one, which isn't the worst thing, uh, but it does contribute to the negative plays. He was very, very good in the intermediate area of the field and had a couple of nice explosive plays, though. Um, so that's pretty good, and it, allow, and it allows him to recover to a good performance, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, the box score would make it look pretty clean, and I don't think it was that clean. Yeah, I'd actually agree with you here, and I'm surprised that we do agree on this one because I also thought watching this game that the box score lies a little bit about how perfect this game is because it certainly wasn't and it reminded me a lot of his early season games where for whatever reason him and the Bengals just came out looking a little lethargic slow and just not the extremely powerful and high-flying offense that we know and to me that first half is what sets it back I feel like we saw a lot of those incompletions which he was still relatively accurate in this one but a lot of those incompletions, I feel like, came from this. He also, kind of like another game, started off in this first drive with that interception. And I feel like that just really sets the tone wrong. They were able to recover, obviously, because Burrow really picked it up in the second half. But in that other game, we saw the game kind of spiral out of just their control because of that pick. And I feel like something really similar happened here. And to me, most importantly, for whatever reason, he was just not being aggressive not what whatsoever he did not try to go downfield he wasn't even looking for it he was very very comfortable and uh settling with you know the quick throws a lot of check downs not even so much attacking the intermediate range of the field and to me that's what the issue was and maybe it was a case of just kind of playing down to the competition a bit. Obviously, this Bucks team wasn't too good. Maybe the Bengals weren't trying to show too much. And, but I do think the mistakes, the couple of sacks he took, uh, I also believe he fumbled in this one. Uh, it wasn't lost, but still a fumble nonetheless. So overall, those mistakes make this just a regular above-average performance. Uh, still not bad, but I would have loved to see a lot more in terms of aggressiveness in this one. All right, moving on to the next one against New England. So um, this one, it started off as 
one of maybe the greatest quarters, first quarters I've ever seen in my life. He was just, he was just out of this world good. It was unbelievable how many explosive plays that he was making. He wasn't putting the ball in harm's way, and it continued well into that first half to the point where um, it was so good that even with some um, mishaps by the Bengals' offense, so he has one turnover-worthy play and then another one interception that I didn't think was his fault. Um, it's it's so good to the point where um, even just with that first half and not as good of play down the stretch. Um, I would still call this a very, very much elite game because of how insane level of good that first half was. He was just making explosive play after explosive play, not putting the ball in harm's way until later on in the game. And um, yeah, I came away from this game blown away by that first half so much that I have to say this is an elite game. Okay, to me, there's parts of that I agree with, but one part I definitely disagree with. And the part I I agree with, I'll start there, is that first half. He was absolutely incredible in that one. And that was like peak Joe Burrow, what we were seeing there. He was incredibly accurate, attacking downfield. It just seemed drive after drive. The Pats defense had no answer for him. He was doing his thing with Jamar. Oh, with uh, sorry, T. Higgins, which we kind of saw with the Jamar Chase absence, where he was just really abusing the size advantage T. Higgins has. And in this one, it seemed like he was getting a lot of separation as well. So he's just doing a good job there. And to supplement that, he was using Jamar Chase, just going intermediate a lot. Uh, did a good job of hitting his other guys as well, which normally we don't see as much. But he was kind of slicing and dicing this team with everyone using all his his weapons which is something we don't see and it made him super unpredictable and he does have one pick in that first half i'll agree with you that that one was the one that wasn't his fault uh but to where i disagree is how much the second half impacts the game because to me i'm a very big proponent of playing a complete game doing everything throughout the game and his second half was to me the polar opposite of it. It seemed as if uh, Belichick had done it again in figuring out a quarterback, and it was just night and day to me. I don't know what happened. Uh, to me, the biggest play there was, I think it was like 70-yard pick six. I feel like he was just going short and was a little careless, and that kind of started the spiral down of this game. Up till that point, the Pats hadn't even scored. It kind of seemed like the Bengals had all the control, And after that, they absolutely lost momentum. It was drive after drive where things wasn't going their way. Uh, A lot more mistakes from Burrow in terms of the accuracy, even though he was lights out accuracy-wise in the first half. We saw him miss a couple throws. Even the sacks and pressure that I felt like came a little bit from him overthinking in that second half. Uh, Obviously, the fumble from Jamar Chase isn't his fault, and that was a big reason why the Pats were able to surmount this comeback. But I do think a lot of it stemmed from that pick that Joe Burrow threw and in, in general the ensuing drives where it was just drive after drive where they didn't score a single point because the offense was just not in sync. There was obviously one drive with a missed field goal, one drive with uh the Jamar Chase fumble, but the other 3-4 we saw where nothing was going on. I do think Burrow was at fault there. And the Patriots were honestly almost able to come back and win this thing despite a very, very poor performance from them offensively because of how bad the Spangles offense was in that second half. And I just feel like that's something I can't ignore. As flawless as that first half was, the amount of mistakes and kind of 
way Burrow let the Patriots back into this game, uh, made this more of like a average to slightly above average game for me, uh, just because of the lack of consistency. All right. Um, before I go to the next one, do you want to talk about the Week 17 game? It's like one quarter and, and some change, but um, the DeMar Hamlin thing. Uh, yeah, I, I know you were referencing the DeMar Hamlin game. Honestly, uh, I'm not completely sure because there isn't much that we can extract from that, obviously, because the game ended so early. Uh, if you want to touch on it real quick, we can, and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Yeah, so he he was off to a fiery start, led the Bengals to a touchdown drive, was fantastic, pushing the ball down the field early, very, very accurate, didn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, yeah, but that's that's all really I can extract from it. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I'd agree with that. Uh, there isn't really much else we can say because obviously, as we saw with that Patriots performance, things can change throughout the rest of the game. And it was a pretty highly touted matchup between this Bengals and Bills team, we will see uh, another rematch later. So we weren't completely robbed of it. Uh, And who knows what could have happened, but obviously tragedy struck. So it is what it is. I'm not going to say too much about that game because we don't know what would have happened. All right, moving on to the Week 18 game against Baltimore. Um, So Burrow was kind of up and down in this one to me. Um, Has a bad fumble and uh, another turnover-worthy play as well. Um, it wasn't really able to generate a ton, um, was a little bit inconsistent with his accuracy, but was able to get some explosive plays down the field, um, only ended up with t- two sacks. So, um, yeah, this was pretty up and down for me. Um, had some moments of really, really precise uh, passes that gave him some solid positive plays, but I think the turnover he plays in this one um, pull it back, um, plus the large inconsistency of the offense when he was there. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say the offense was necessarily, or sorry, Burrow was necessarily inconsistent in this game compared to some of his other games because we saw a lot of inconsistency recently. But I do agree a lot with you about this kind of being one of the more sloppy Joe Burrow games, you could say. Obviously, with him losing a fumble, which is something super uncharacteristic of him, as well as having two uh, turnover-worthy throws in this game, in my opinion, that definitely immediately immediately brings this down. Uh, his accuracy was a quite shy of what you normally expect out of him. And I think this ties back in, as always, with a lot of these guys to the aggressiveness. I think he did a pretty poor job of just going downfield on this Ravens defense. And granted, like we say with a lot of these uh, teams, like this Ravens defense was good very good corners. They The Bengals, honestly, receiving core wasn't really getting as much separation as uh, Burrow might have wanted, but I think he was doing a poor job of using his high-level accuracy and high-level anticipation to, I guess, throw these guys open when they couldn't get open because Jamar was still getting open. Jamar Chase will always get his. I think that's a constant, but it seems like it seemed like the other guys really weren't getting involved because of the defensive game plans of the Ravens. And in this really tough situation, Burrow just wasn't able to adapt and kind of bring them above it. So I'm not going to put it all on him, obviously. I, I won't say this is a poor performance, but to me, this was just meh, mediocre type of game. All right, moving on to the next one. So the first playoff game um, against the Ravens. And I think that the offensive performance of the Bengals – kind of underrates the performance of Joe Burrow because 
there is a drop from Tyler Boyd on one of his best throws of the game. Um, plus, I think that the Ravens were a horrendous matchup for the Bengals. So um, you can see this with the receivers not really being able to consistently separate. Um, and it led to Burrow taking four sacks in this one. Um, he was able to generate a couple of explosive plays down the field, and I thought he was largely very accurate. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is definitely a ceiling to his performance in this game because of how well the Ravens defense was playing. Um, and yeah, he did what he could, but um, at the end of the day, I can only call this uh, a pretty good performance rather than a great one. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you said there because, and we've seen twice now, this Ravens defense clearly just has this Bengals offense's number for whatever reason. Oh, well, I guess the reason being they see them so much and they prepare for them yearly. This Bengals defense absolutely had the Bengals offense number. And in this one, even though Burrow wasn't aggressive, I really can't say it was his fault because the Ravens defense was just so aggressive in this one. They were really coming after Burrow. And I think it's because they, with obviously Tyler Huntley starting, they knew that they were not going to be successful in this matchup if they kind of played it calm. They were just throwing stuff at the wall to somehow pull a victory out of this game and honestly if it wasn't for one of those big play defensive plays that uh changed the game completely I believe it was that Sam uh Hubbard uh fumble return which almost went the entire length of the field I don't know if the Bengals would have pulled this off so honestly I was a little bit disappointed with their second half performance because of that because I just think they weren't doing enough offensively. And part of that was Burrow. I think he was accurate. He did do a good job of putting the ball not in harm's way. He did a good job of getting all of his players involved. But to me, Burrow's in that caliber of quarterback to where no matter the situation, I kind of need you to dig deep in these games, which really matter for us. And come up with drives at the end of that game in that second half to win them this game. And it took a 98-yard uh, Sam Hubbard touchdown return for them to get a game-winning score. And to me, that is on Burrow, as well as obviously the sacks. I think he kind of needed to adjust the way he played in this one because instead of maybe getting rid of the ball faster or calling a lot more shorter routes to get everybody involved... What Burrow did was just try to hold the ball and try to wait for things to develop, try to make things happen out of nothing. Honestly, I thought Burrow even attempted to playmake a couple of times in this one, which we really don't see him do. That's kind of not something as much in his bag as some of these other elite quarterbacks. So I feel like he was really limited in this one uh, by the defense and by the offense's shortcomings. But to me, that excuse only goes so far. So I rate him similarly to where you had, where it was just slightly above average. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, this one, big-time weather game. So um, the kind of up-and-down nature of the Bengals' offense where they were extremely hot in stretches and um, there was there was a few um, plays later where they weren't the greatest. You can attribute it largely um, to the weather, and Burrow has a number of plays here uh, where his completion percentage is affected by that. Uh, but, man, he was fantastic in this one, um, pushing the ball down the field pretty well, um, making a ton of plays out of structure, which is um, not really the most common area for him to win. He likes to win from the pocket with his anticipation and accuracy, like we said a bunch of times. Uh, but he was really, really good out of structure in this one. Um, 
couple of explosive plays down the field, like I said. Um, very, very accurate for the weather conditions, I would say. Uh, only took one sack, just a really, really great performance. Um, and he really led the Bengals to victory in this one. I love that you started off with that disclaimer about the weather because just looking at the stats at face value, I think most people would see this and kind of discount this performance from Burrow, especially considering the monster numbers he put up earlier in the year. But to me, this is by far, or maybe not by far, but this is his best playoff game performance we've seen out of Joe Burrow. And I thought he was pretty incredible in this one. And I thought, Honestly, that was a rarity in this playoff run that he had uh, because he did exactly what I wanted him to do in the last game to where when his regular game just isn't going to work and because of the weather, because of how stingy this Bills defense is as well, uh, his regular form of offense simply wasn't going to work. It relies a lot on how good the, the weather is for him to be able to place the ball exactly where he wants. And in this sort of situation, he's not going to be able to do that. And he was still able to buckle up, lock in, and play better than what we think is the best cold-weather quarterback in the entire league, or so he's supposed to be. And Burrow absolutely outperformed him. I thought for the conditions, his accuracy was incredible. Uh, you're not really able to attack downfield here. And in a very limited kind of range of passing, he did an amazing job of spreading the ball out, finding the open guy every time. This was more of a kind of Joe Burrow mental masterclass because he didn't have a Jamar Chase streaking open downfield that he could hit with precision. He had to see what the Bills defense was putting up every single time. And despite them being super ultra aggressive, coming at him almost every play, it seemed like he wasn't under pressure all day because he'd either get rid of the balls fast or like PD mentioned, he got into his playmaking bag a little bit and try to run around and make plays, which we normally don't see Burrow do. But because of the situation, he adapted and he did a damn good job of it too. And that's why he didn't really take any sacks. Uh, didn't fumble. I also didn't think he had a interceptable pass or interception worthy pass all day. It was just him with accuracy slicing and dicing this defense going short all day, intermediate all day and making it work. And there wasn't one guy that stood out in the receiving game either. He was just kind of getting it to everybody. Uh, and yes, the run game was really good. It opened things up for Burrow, but, uh, the fact that they were passing the ball as much as they did in the kind of situation they were in, given that they have a Joe Mixon that they can rely on, it just kind of goes to show how much they believe in Burrow. And it was very warranted because he was very good. And to me, this was the best playoff game we've seen out of Joe Burrow. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, time to disagree here because I thought Burrow played really, really well. I'm not sure if you agree there. Uh, but Burrow, um, I thought he was generating a ton of explosive plays down the field. Um, does have two turnworthy plays, not the two interceptions that he threw. One of them wasn't his fault. One of them was, in my opinion. Um, but And does take five sacks. But, man, I thought his ability to generate explosives in critical moments in this one was very apparent. And he was also pretty accurate and able to generate a ton of yardage in the intermediate area of the field. Um, so despite the fact that there's a, a bunch of errors in this one, um, I didn't think the sacks were really all on him. Um, because of the health of the offensive line, you can see that being a really big issue. And um, a couple of them were on him, uh, and plus the turnover with the place. But I thought the positives were well enough to overcome that. And um, for me, 
despite the loss, despite the fact that the box score doesn't look very good, I thought he played very well in this one. Yeah, I, and I think with the general consensus of what people think, uh, absolutely disagree with you. And I feel like this is where, like, uh, things go too far with crediting certain quarterbacks about, uh, I guess, the explosive plays they made, but taking away almost what they did to lose a game of such big magnitude. Because to me, in this game, there was no reason why Joe Burrow should have made the number of mistakes he made. Uh, this was a game where he was, yeah, much more aggressive than the last couple of games. But we saw all season Joe Burrow being uber aggressive. And despite that, he wasn't making too many mistakes. That's kind of his thing because he's not able to play make. He is, but he is able to tear people up from the pocket without turning the ball over. And in this one, we didn't see that. I don't think he was being nearly aggressive enough to warrant the amount of mistakes he made. And I also think the accuracy simply was not as on point as it needed to be uh, in a game of obviously, like I said, this magnitude. And once again, we see him being super inconsistent for multiple Chiefs uh, matchups. We've seen, yeah, Joe Burrow come in not so good in the first half. And yeah, they bring it back in the second half. But it's not going to happen every time. This Chiefs team now obviously has won two rings. They're an incredible playoff team. When you start off as slow and poor as this Bengals offense and Joe Burrow did, you're going to have the result that ends up happening in this game to where you're not going to be able to keep up every single time. And that's what I thought was the big problem here. And to me, those two interceptions, which I thought were both very much his fault, as whereas another interceptable pass that I had in the second half, which he kind of got away with, I absolutely think those were two of the key reasons they lost. That interception he threw uh, when the game was tied, I believe it was either late in the third or early in the fourth when the score was 20-20. I thought that essentially lost the Bengals this game here because they don't go on to score in the next drive because, again, Joe Burrow has a couple of mishaps, a couple of incompletions. But the drive before, I really thought they had momentum on their hands after scoring a couple of touchdowns in their last few drives. Like I was saying, they're finally starting to uh, turn up in the second half, get things to go uh, their way. And after having a very poor first half, you need to be flawless in the second half to make up for it and Joe Burrow simply didn't do that he essentially threw the game away I think those two interceptions were just so awful because of how much they killed the Bengals momentum and once again we saw for many many weeks Joe Burrow corrected the mistake of not really taking sacks be doing a good job of either getting rid of the ball or just shuffling around being quick with his feet and I will agree there were a lot of there were a couple of injuries on this offensive line they weren't really able to handle Chris Jones all day but Burrow did have a lot of protection all day the Bengals were either blocking Mixon or P Ryan all day uh they always had a tight end chipping the ends I think Hayden Hurst stayed in a lot there was a lot of max protect as well and they asked Burrow to drop back and deliver them drives to ultimately score consistently win them this game and he simply didn't deliver he was holding the ball too long taking a bunch of those sacks a lot of those sacks came in those final drives that I was talking about and they one of them even ended the drive I believe they ended the game on a sack too uh, as far as offense goes 
So to me, the mistakes definitely far outweigh the positives. I think he, uh, and I'll give some of those positives here to not make it seem like I'm completely dissing this performance because I'm not going to say he was trash in this one because he was far from it. Uh, Because he did do a fantastic job of connecting with Chase. I think he didn't do as good a job of connecting with Higgins. I think he missed a lot of balls, uh, uh, balls to Higgins. And I think this Chiefs defense really focused on stopping Chase. I don't think Chase was getting nearly as much separation as you normally see him get. And they kind of let T. Higgins beat him. And instead of going to him, exposing the massive size advantage, to be frank, that T. Higgins has on everyone in that Chiefs secondary, he was forcing it to his other guys or was it, or just simply wasn't going to certain people. Uh, I think when you take away the deep threat of Chase, we've seen time and time again in big crucial games, Joe Burrow kind of fold in those situations. And I think to say this game was really good from him is kind of taking away from a pretty clear flaw he has in his game right now. The teams are... Uh, honestly exposing in back-to-back years, I'd say. And to me, Burrow is in that kind of realm of quarterback to where you need to nitpick with him. Because if this was someone like Kirk Cousins having a game like this, I, I wouldn't look at it as... I'd still rate it the same, which is more of a mediocre performance, but I wouldn't look down on it as much because... You will, as a quarterback of that caliber, you are going to have games like this where you really underperform. Uh, but when I see Burrow do it, it's definitely disappointing because it's not only him losing, but it's him losing in a very uncharacteristic manner for Burrow. And that's what really sits wrong with me. So to me, this, end, this is a pretty mediocre uh, game. All right. Um, let's talk about um, the Bengals this year. So for 2023, um, Burrow already heading into the year with a calf injury, so it's possible that he ends up with a slow start. Um, and let's just kind of talk about the uh, depth chart of the offense on, uh, in terms of the receivers and the offensive line. So um, Jamar Chase, obviously elite number one receiver with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd being great number two and number three options. Um, Higgins definitely overqualified for the number two as well. He could be at number one on other teams. Um, and I think that there's some potential here for the first time in a couple of years. It's not just uh, Trent Taylor and Trenton Irwin um, as the backups in case someone gets injured. Um, adding Charlie Jones and Andre Iosilas, um as rookie picks, I think could be helpful this year if they hit higher end outcomes and down the road. Um, and then along the offensive line, this is the strongest they've been in the Joe Burrow era, for sure, in my opinion. Um, with the addition of Orlando Brown um, and guys like Hakeem Adeniji and such, um, now being on the bench rather than starting in the Super Bowl, um, it's it's definitely a huge upgrade um, from what they've had in the past. Um, and along the offensive line, I think um, if we get a little bit more development from Cordell Volson, we could be looking at an, uh, an offensive line unit, unit that doesn't really have significant holes. Um, and then scheme-wise, w- with Zach Taylor and such, I don't think that they're really adding too much. Um, I will say as long as they just let Joe Burrow get in the shotgun and do, do what he needs to do because he's not really a strong play action quarterback, um, especially from under center. Um, you just let him do what he does. Um, call some vertical passes, um, call some screens and, and uh, shorter passes as counters. Um, and just kind of let him do his thing. Um, and yeah, this projects to be one of the best offenses in the league behind their quarterback and their very, very gifted skill position players. Um, plus an offensive line that could re- reach a pretty high end outcome. 
yeah, I also want to get started with that injury that Burrow suffered uh, in camp. That's obviously having him miss all of camp, all of preseason. Uh, and I think the biggest reason that me and PD both are wor- not worried about it, but kind of disappointed by it happening is because of how we saw the start of last year. Obviously, the majority of that regular season, we saw Burrow operating at a very, very high level. And I was kind of hoping that we saw what we expected last year with the Bengals just kind of hitting the ground running and Burrow being at, well, the the Joe Burrow we see in those monster 400-plus yards games kind of from the start of the season or at least a couple weeks in. But now with the injury, we're going to need to see him kind of get his legs back for a couple of weeks, kind of shake off the rust from not playing for a long time because obviously with him missing so much camp, picking up an injury so early, he probably hasn't played much football since uh, last year's playoffs. So that's definitely of concern. But aside from that, honestly, not much like like you were saying, not much of concern here because this is a really, really good offensive unit. I think Joe Mixon obviously has been a staple of the Bengals offense for a long time. Uh, obviously, he seems to fit in very well with this uh, team. They've got a pretty good thing going there. And I think picking up a guy like Chase Brown, retaining Chris Evans, I think that's a pretty good mix of running backs for this team who honestly doesn't run the ball a whole lot. I think they don't need a, a lot of depth there because they're more of a workhorse back type of offense. We see a lot from the Zach Taylor tree or the just that style of offense in general. They really love that one running back kind of set. So I like that room for Joe Burrow. I think Joe Mixon fits with him as we've seen for a couple of years now. Obviously, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, honestly, aside from Mahomes and Kelsey, might be the best duo in the league. And we've seen this relationship go from college, like we were saying earlier in this episode. It's kind of insane to see that amazing elite of a duo happen in college at LSU. And finally, a team actually listening to it and investing in that same sort of situation. Because we see time and time again, franchise quarterbacks tell their team, we want this specific receiver because they know how they play they know they work well together and teams not going with it and it's a great thing that the Bengals trusted in it because it's creating such a great young elite duo and obviously like PD said T Higgins is one of the best wide receiver twos in the league and we saw last year Burrow really explored his uh uh, kind of the best parts of his game as well. Because I think in the last year, Higgins honestly wasn't getting used as much as he could and you getting used for as good as he is because of how much Jamar Chase shown. And I think that was huge for T Higgins' progression that time Chase was out. And I think now he's an even better fit for Burrow. Obviously, Tyler Boyd coming back again. He's also super overqualified for that third receiver role. Uh, I think he's huge, and I also agree, adding their other guys like Irwins, Jones, uh, Eosivas, etc. are good for their depth. Uh, I think that may not help them because Burrow is kind of that guy, like I was saying, who really only goes to a couple of receivers when things are working because, I mean, he knows Chase Higgins and Boyd are going to be open pretty often, and if he goes to them a lot, 
I'm not going to blame them because they're incredible guys. Uh, but that depth might hurt help a lot when guys like Chase or Higgins may or may not go down throughout the season. So definitely a very stacked wide receiver room for Burrow once again. I also think the pickup of Irv Smith is good uh, because Irv Smith obviously kind of having injury-riddled seasons, but coming out of college and even his role in the NFL, he has been more of a vertical receiving threat and I think he's really quick he's good at getting separation from like linebackers and safeties that typically can't match his speed and I think that's kind of the mold of uh tight end you want for Joe Burrow because he was able to do that sort of thing with CJ Uzoma a couple of years ago uh even a little bit with Hayden Hurst last year not so much maybe because I think Hurst underperformed a little bit but I think Irv Smith definitely fits the mold and is another good threat going to be great to be the fourth or fifth option on this offense uh and I also agree that this offensive line unit is by far the best uh Burrow has had in his time in Cincinnati and honestly it's come a long way from where what we saw in the first year where it was pretty damn terrible. Even that second year when they went to the Super Bowl, it was horrible. And we saw it uh, at first value uh, at, uh, at, at its worst in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that Orlando Brown obvious pickup was obviously amazing. We've seen what he can do with other elite quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and I think he's going to do a great job for a Burrow as well. I think Jonah Williams has been a staple of this offense for a while. He's going to keep going. Same with Alex Kappa and Ted Karras over the last couple of years. Uh, like PD said, Volson's only the real question mark on this offense. He's kind of a lower round pick. That's kind of just filling in because they don't have anyone else. But when you really have just one hole in your offensive line who can maybe even not be a hole depending on how you develop in, that's a very good unit. And really, he's the only hole on this entire offense. So like PD said, projected to be an absolutely incredible offense. And when we go into the scheme with Zach Taylor, I mean, we've seen for a couple of years now, it's kind of a match made in heaven with Joe Burrow. Because Zach Taylor likes to run a sort of spread shotgun based offense where you're throwing the ball around uh, a lot a lot of outside zone kind of scheme kind of spreading the offense out and letting the skilled players do their thing get open and Joe Burrow pick apart defenses with everything spread out but I think it's transformed from that to just kind of Joe Burrow ball like you were saying where they kind of just let Joe Burrow do their thing and he's been do his thing. And he's been doing that since LSU. I feel like he's like I said earlier in the year, the or earlier in the pod, the type of quarterback that just has such an amazing feel for the game that it feels like he can do anything he wants with the offense at any time. He's just has that ability. And when you have this free flowing offense with Zach Taylor, it's just kind of match made in heaven with Joe Burrow. So the scheme obviously fits very well with him. Uh, yeah, this team is poised to be an, a top 3-4 offense once again. All right, so let's talk about the juicy stuff, um, the yep. most interesting part of the podcast, um, and talk about the ranges for finishes for Joe Burrow and I guess Trevor Simeon and, and such as well. So for Joe Burrow, I think, um, like I've said for a couple of episodes now, um, the guys from now on all have high-end outcomes at the very highest at number one. Um, and for Joe Burrow, for his 50th percentile outcome, I would say it's right around where we have him ranked at quarterback number three. Um, I think that um, the guys, the only issue is the guys in front of him. Um, he's well worthy of having an argument for that number two spot. 
Um, but I, I prefer the two guys that I have ahead of him. Um, and for the 75th percentile outcome, I think it would still be the second best quarterback in the league. Um, like I said, right now, he has an argument for that two spot, but at the 75th percentile, he like firmly sees that. Um, and yeah, we would see the other guy um, that's in contention for this kind of not play to that same level. Um, and then at the 100th percentile outcome, um, he's just the best quarterback in the league. And we saw like flashes of this um, towards the end of the year last year. So if you want to throw out the first five, six games that he played and say his appendicitis was still affecting him, um, you could see him continue to play like an MVP down the stretch. Like we said, uh, Polly mentioned like if the, if the season started in week six, he could have very well won the MVP. Um, and that's kind of the high-end outcome that we're, we're talking about. Um, now, obviously, uh, him coming in with an injury makes that a lot more difficult to reach, I would say. Um, but I think it is still something worth discussing. And then at the 25th and 0th percentile outcomes, at the 25th percentile outcome, I still think he's a top five quarterback. I would say he's like something like quarterback five. Um, even if things go poorly and he starts out the season uh, poorly with um, that injury, I just think that his skill set in terms of accuracy and feel and anticipation, just those things just don't really go away once you've got your feet wet in um, with, with playing with good guys and um, developed chemistry with those guys. And at the zero percentile outcome, if he just – suffers another injury. Um, the Bengals offensive line has goes through a ton of stuff um, with chemistry issues or such. And um, Jamar Chase gets injured again or something of the sort. I could see him drop to like quarterback seven or eight, but in pretty much no circumstance do I see him not being a pro bowler. Um, and then with Trevor Simeon, I, I, Trevor Simeon is kind of just a low end backup. He's pushing third string. Um, his ability to make decisions is, is not good at all. Um, so I, I, would be concerned if Trevor Simeon has to start games for the Bengals. Um, and then Jake Browning and Reed Sennett, I don't really have opinions on. Uh, fair. And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised at the way you rated him based off uh, kind of the way we talked about it throughout the year because it would seem you were higher. But actually, for the next year pro- projections, I'm a little bit higher on Burrow. And also... That's a crazy straight uh, Broncos legend Trevor Simeon right there. I thought you'd rate him higher as well. Uh, but getting into Burrow, I think at 50th percentile outcome, uh, he's QB2. And to me, he was QB2 last year as well. I just think there's certain things in his game that uh, the guy we're going to talk about next episode just simply uh, doesn't have. Uh, and for me, after his last year performance or last year stretch, like we were talking about since week six, even though in my head he definitely underperformed in the playoffs, and to me that's where the guy who I have above Burrow kind of separates himself by a pretty big margin is because of playoff success because I don't think there's really any other quarterback uh, in, honestly, the league right now in their prime that can kind of mirror what we have there. But in terms of Burrow, I think that stretch he had from week six to the end of the season, barring a couple of games I wasn't a fan of, I thought he was pretty lights out. And I think in that game, he showed what he can be at his peak. And at his peak, he's absolutely the best quarterback in the league. And he showed it in so many games uh, that I have to put him at QB2 in 50th percentile because I think he'll only get better from last year. And last year, he was there already for me. Uh, at the highest end outcome or 100 percentile outcome, I could see him being QB1. And to me, there's 
not really many quarterbacks who can do that. Uh, I know for PD, there were a lot of guys that were in this elite tier who could have a surprise season to come up. To me, uh, everyone that we've talked about before today, they there's and there's some guys in that group who I really, really love. But other than Burrow and the guys we're going to talk about in the next two episodes, who I'm sure you guys know who it is by now, to me, those are the un- only guys who could be QB1 at their peak. And that's because those are the only guys who I've seen at certain points in their career be QB1 at their peak. And I just don't see them all being dethroned at the same time. And for me, Burrow's little stretch of that was last year. Uh, I don't think it was week six all the way to the end of the season because I uh, honestly think that he definitely was an MVP in that uh, in that part, especially after looking back at some of the individual games. Uh, but in that stretch, he very well could have been argued that he was playing at an incredible level for a lot of that. If he matches that or plays even better with, you know, the development of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who are still very, very young, even guys like Irv Smith, uh, even like Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are just hitting their like main primes of their career. Uh, I feel like if there's a massive improvement there, the O-line holds up as much as we want. And Burrow has more of those consistent light, lights out games that we know he can have and that we've seen him absolutely dominate defenses with. If he does that even more at a higher kind of consistency and quantity next year, I could see him being QB1. And to me, at his lowest percentile outcome, it would be somewhere in that QB four or five range. I really don't see kind of like what PD was saying, the traits he has even with injury diminished to an extent where he falls out of the top five. I just don't see it happening. Stuff like his touch, his anticipation, his accuracy, like you mentioned, are out of this world. They're matched by very few people. And I just don't see that no matter what injury it is, unless it's maybe like a right arm injury, which, yeah, that's obviously going to affect that for a while. But other than that, I really don't see that changing. I think he has such a high skill set that no matter what, he'll stay in that level. But I could see a world where, like like we were saying, Jamar Chase gets hurt. Maybe the offensive line gets hurt. Run game's not as effective at, as it can be in some times. And the team somehow, someway struggles around Joe Burrow. I could see him falling out. But the team just has so much talent around him that I think – they will somehow find a way to pick him up. The things with quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, who are in such a good system, it's very hard for them to fall off compared to other quarterbacks who may not have as good of a support system like a Justin Herbert or a Lamar Jackson. Because when you have such good talent, you can kind of have a couple of games like those first five weeks that Joe Burrow did and still manage to find your way back to your best because you have guys open all day. You have an amazing scheme that really fits you. He's just in such a good situation that I just don't see him falling out of the top five. And to me, Trevor Simeon, uh, I mean, I think I can say it. I'm not a Broncos fan, so I don't have respect for Broncos legend Trevor Simeon. I agree with you, though. He is a low-end backup at this one in his career. I think when we both talked about the Bengals QB room in the offseason, we wanted them to upgrade there. And whether it's in the draft or offseason, they or I mean, sorry, uh, free agency, they didn't upgrade on Trevor Simeon, which I think is uh, definitely an issue, especially if her uh, bro goes down. Uh, they're more cooked than they should be uh, because Trevor Simeon's a low end backup. 
And uh, same thing with Jake Browning. I very much agree with you that he's firmly a third string. Uh, I'm not even very familiar with how he plays, but I could definitely see him being out of the league pretty soon. Because, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's my take on those three guys. All right. Um, that'll wrap up a very, very insightful and detailed episode. Make sure to like, leave a rating, do what you need to do on whatever you're listening on. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at PD34 underscore and Real Humble Potty 2. Yep. That'll be all for me. That'll be all for Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace out. Yeah, we could be